The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Good evening, and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy. And my guest, well, actually, as you notice from up here, I have two guests, uh, Bill Thompson and what he used to look like. <laughs> and what I will look like at some point. <laughs> Before I, uh, we get into the program, I would like to, to t take a few moments to uh, extend my sympathies and those of other people affiliated with our programming here for the tragedy that occurred in Pittsburgh. It's, um, it's a type of thing that when it happens, you just can't fathom how anybody could take it upon themselves to do that to other people whom they don't know, and maybe the only reason they're doing it is because that particular group of people happen to go to a different type of church or that they, they're a different culture. But uh, when... You read the newspapers and they say 11 people, that's just a number. But then they start to give you the backgrounds and the history of those people, whether they're the two brothers that were buried yesterday, there was a doctor who uh, apparently was a, a victim because he went back to help people. There was a woman that was 97 years of age who goes every single week to the synagogue, and on and on. And um, when you add it all up, 11 people is a number, doesn't sound like much, but it the living people that they represent and the tragedy that it represents and reflects in our country. And what astounded me was to think that in the history of our own country, that's the largest number of people who are of the Jewish faith who have been killed or murdered in one, one situation. So again, on behalf of the staff and people of 02148, I extend the sympathies to the family and friends of the victims here in Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, I echo those sentiments. Um, yeah, the doctor bothered me. I, I, I'm sure that, you know, I guess the other 10 had, you know, stories and stuff. But you want, the doctor thing, when he rushed back to help, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you also wonder that because he's now removed out of the picture, is there like, had he lived, he would probably save many people in the future as being a doctor? You know, I mean, it, you just wonder how many people are going to die because this doctor is no longer available and his expertise is no longer uh, available to, to, you know, to the others, you know. I, so in, in, a, in a kind of a weird way, I mean, others will die because of this. Uh, well, and uh, that's sometimes uh, yeah. the, the untold stories because uh, he actually I think he was approaching a point in his career when he was thinking about retiring. And yeah, he was 66. So, right, yeah. and uh, beyond that... Um, the impact of his not being here may mean that some of those patients that he's, that he's been f affiliated, connected to, and, and doctoring for years may not have the same level of, of uh, treatment. Not that they're not getting professional help later on from somebody mm -hmm. else, but he knows their history for all those years on a, on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, you just wonder basis. about what could have been had, yeah, it, not, yeah. had it not occurred, you know, yeah, and, and yeah, that. And it's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of bothering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, we have a strong Jewish community here in Malden, and uh, thank God we haven't had a, an incident like that, and hopefully we never will. Well, I was just thinking back, uh, uh, I, I, when I was a lot younger growing up, I lived in a little court, and uh, it was a two-family house that was owned by the bank. That's another whole story, but <laughs> there was a Jewish family living upstairs. We were downstairs, and yeah. um, every, every high holy day, they would bring down mustas. To uh, to us, so we would exchange. Said Christmas, my my other neighbor was the two Jewish families. There was a three family house on the other house, and there was a 
a Jewish family and a, and a, an Italian family, and the first floor had uh, a family. The father was of German extraction and mm -hmm. uh, a, a Catholic. So mm -hmm. that just that little a area, it had a mixture, and that was more than like the yeah. leave it to beaver kind of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, like, you know, we've lived in our house for like 40-some years, right? But back when we first moved in, uh, one of our first uh, friends in the neighborhood, well, we had plenty of friends in the neighborhood, but Bailey Weiss was uh, available. Yeah. And uh, she came and got our little kids when we had them because she, she'd take them down to her house for whatever Jewish holiday she was celebrating. Yeah. And she said, you know, it's good for these kids to know other people's, um, you know. And she'd take the kids and show them, you know, some of the Jewish uh, – traditions that they would do and uh, she was a great teacher yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah well we have an election next week yeah, yeah. and uh it's a little confusing to some people and i thought that maybe tonight we could give them a fast uh, civic lesson okay and, and uh maybe give them something to think about on uh, next week um there's a there's an election among the candidates running uh, a senator yeah and Elizabeth Warren is uh, seeking re-election. She's got an energetic um, Republican opponent who has uh, strongly identified himself with the, uh, the President Trump. But yeah. there's also a third candidate who's hardly known at all, and he, I, he's been, uh, because of his low visibility and apparently low numbers in terms of the polls, he wasn't even allowed to participate in the, in the forums or the debates that they have. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, he's not well known, and um, I'd have a trouble pronouncing his name. Oh, was it Shiva, somebody? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Just call him Shiva. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I think what's kind of interesting about that that race for senator, number one, is um, well, it's a two-part thing. The first part is that to see that the, the – um, there's no question, I think, in the minds of most of the people who keep – keep current on, on uh, um, the election options or the election choices, is Elizabeth Warren's going to get reelected. Mm. But it may very well be that um, the opponent that she has has made some uh, inroads in sense of uh, uh, pointing out that she's running for re-election as a United States senator, and she's already pre been preparing herself to maybe venture out and run for president in two years. Man. So... I think there may be some uh, blank votes in that race, so that would be one thing to look at. Well, the blanks? You're looking at the blanks? Well, I think – well, there's a twofold thing. One is that that's the blanks because um, the Republican the, – their registration level at this uh, – in Massachusetts is under 15 percent. But really? some, sometimes they do better. Well, a lot of the – now the, and the, as it continues to uh, – not only here but in lots of other states, it seems – the younger people come become unenrolled, so they don't with either yeah, party. But yeah. the the other thing to maybe contrast is um, uh, the governor's race, because um, what I found interesting is at the at the co Republican convention, about thirty percent of the delegates to that convention, when they were doing the nominations, um, picked a man by the name of Lively, who uh, ran against the incumbent governor Baker for the nomination, yeah. and he ended up getting about 30% of the vote. And I had pointed out in a previous show, in, in the, a lot of the people that attend those conventions are, are tend to be party loyalists, and they uh, uh, may have difference of opinion, but they tend to be solid, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. And uh, for 30% for of the people to pick him opposed to the incumbent governor Suggest that even with the, in the Republicans, things aren't as smooth this year. The second thing is, it, by getting more than 15%, he qualified to run in a primary, and he ended up getting about 30% of the vote in the primary. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's a strong, he was a strong Trump supporter. So there again, um, looking at that election, the ex expectation is. Um, the Gonzalez, the Democrat, didn't have any really money. He didn't have he didn't have a, a name to connect to for me years going by. I think he had a story to tell, but I don't think he really got a chance to talk about himself enough with the the type of campaigns that are done today with television and radio and that sort of thing. So, I think what'll be kind of to look at how many blanks are off for Baker. Yeah, well, 
that would be interesting. Um, so with the Republic, I I know the Democratic Party because I'm a Democrat, I guess. But um, in the Democratic conventions, they always tend to be um, mostly the the far left liberals that are the most active in the uh, um, you know the convention. And it appears so, the Republicans are just the opposite. Well, I'm wondering. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm asking you that question. I, yeah. wonder, I, I haven't been to the Republican ones, yeah. but I'm, are they do, is it well, convention? Well, this guy has been every time, and that's all that's left of them. <laughs> no, is it, does it tend to be dominated by, say, farther right uh, individuals? Well, uh, for or the very— Or are there liberal Republicans? Um, um, if they are, they, <laughs> you'll have to give me a while to think about it. But um, the very fact that he could do that well would suggest— that there is a branch of the Republican Party of Massachusetts, a far right. Right. There, I, I know the far right Republicans in Massachusetts probably don't like uh, Charlie Baker all that much because he tends to run in the middle. Yeah. Or he doesn't, he doesn't really make a peep he, about his Trump standings. You know, or he takes like, both sides you know. of the issue at the same time. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, let's have another study group. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I guess if I was a diehard Republican, I probably would be against him. Yeah, don't you think? Well, um, on the surface, um, not if you, that I'd vote for the Democrat. Well, but, I suppose you know. if you're a strong Trump person, you wouldn't have been happy with Charlie, right? And therefore, that's the group that Lively uh, was responsive, responding for. Oh, really? Well, because and he, he got thirty percent, so that's about uh, the Trump base, right? Yeah, so, well, the thirty percent is nationwide, uh, but it, but it's apparently even in Massachusetts, uh, yeah, yeah, which is a, interesting. Um, beyond that, I I, I think back uh, when um, um, when Governor Welt was running for re-election, yeah, um, he um, was opposed by a Democrat whose last name was Roosevelt, right? Who was a state representative, yeah. Who uh, was a sacrificial lamb? Yeah, and although um, career-wise he didn't bit too bad, do too badly. He ended up as a superintendent of school in Pittsburgh. He oh. was very involved, I think, with the education bill that was passed at the time he was there. And I mean, and more recently, I believe he's he's also doing the same thing somewhere in Arizona. Oh, but once Baker got excuse We're me, talking one, Mark Roosevelt. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, once um, Welk got reelected within a short time, relatively short time. He was looking to be ambassador to Mexico. He didn't get the job, but uh, years later he surfaced as the libertarian candidate for president. Yeah. And now one of the he's also a practicing attorney with uh, the firm in Boston that does all the political stuff. Yeah, I know the one. The big it's a big firm. Yeah, yeah. and and he's involved with the people that uh, uh, are involved with the Wynn Casino, which is not going to new name over in Everett. So he's 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 moved around a lot. I don't know whether Charlie Baker's planning to do all that move and around, but uh, wasn't he in New York for a while? He was. Weld went to New York. And, he did. Yeah. yeah. I did. He run for something there, or just? I uh, think he did. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 And uh, but anyway, so th- th- that election, I think, uh, again with with. Um, Elizabeth Warren, it's more the case of how much she's going to win by to kind of give a flavor on how her standing is going to get going forward to this presidential Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, the, the the news organizations will probably look at the results of her race and, well, they should. and, and make a comment yeah. as to how strong she looks uh, yeah, yeah. for the The other thing to keep in mind, even though you have um, an opportunity to vote for lieutenant governor, it really doesn't matter because the one who gets elected for governor, their their running mate is going to be the winner of that race. If you notice there, it used to be years ago. Yeah, you voted for, for each one, right? Uh, yeah. You'd end up having people of different parties potentially maybe getting elected. And it, and it, and it happened uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, one in my memory was Tip O'Neill's son was lieutenant governor and um, uh, what's his name was the, the – the one who beat the caucus there uh, oh. was the governor. They didn't. They didn't mesh. They didn't mesh at all. <laughs> but anyway, so. Oh, I'm thinking uh, Claprood and King. Uh, well, you're thinking King. I was thinking Claprood and uh, oh, the Texan there. What was his face? Uh, you know, uh, Silver. 
Oh, Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. clap. <laughs> that was a strange combination. He, he didn't get nominated. He, oh, be, oh, yeah, oh, he didn't oh. get elected, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Attorney General, um, well, that, I don't think there's much probable. No question that Maura Healy's going to stomp that guy. Yeah, and he's the one that got, got some negative press recently about uh, abusing his wife. Isn't that the guy? Oh, really? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I haven't even heard. <laughs> he hasn't even raised that yeah. level on my yeah. radar. But yeah. Maura Healy, she's a good attorney general. She's yeah. been doing some good things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think she's going to sail through. I yeah. mean, oh, no I, question I, about you know, that, that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the, Billy Galvin's interesting. He had an opponent in the Democratic primary, and— and uh, there was some thought that he was somewhat vulnerable, but he ended up, in, and uh, in the final vote count, percentage-wise, he did as well against yeah. the Democrat as he normally does against the Republican. So, and now he's got two opponents. <laughs> he's got the, the Republican. He's gonna crush him. He's gonna yeah. crush him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it, what, what people became aware of in the primary, amongst us, was how much of a good, sec, uh, you know, Secretary of State he is. Yeah. Now, he doesn't campaign all that well. I mean, he's not the warm and fuzzy, uh, you know. But what came to light was a lot of his accomplishments. And uh, he he's probably one of the best in the country. And yeah. I think everybody pretty much knows that. So. And you're not saying that because your wife works at him, right? Absolutely not. Right. Okay. Actually, when <laughs> I you should said, come clean on that, shouldn't <laughs> I? Wow, well, this is a low-budget show. I didn't yeah, know. yeah. Well, they, they, they do that a lot with the Boston Globe when you read the um, the, the sports page. They always reference the fact that John Henry is a part owner of the Red Sox is also the owner of the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the Boston Globe. But uh, Well, yeah. Um, now, Catherine... Clark has got an opponent, and uh, I think if you ask 10 people on the street... They wouldn't know. They wouldn't know, unless they were uh, the no. son or daughter of the candidate against them. And I never even heard of the guy, so... And she seems to keep a high profile and seems to be productive. And, and, uh, so well, I I, I've seen that she's actually been up in Maine campaigning for people out of state, so I don't think she's too worried about this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, oh, by the way... Uh, Audience, I just noticed looking at now. I hopefully this thing is written. This is also in Chinese. I don't know if you can see that very small lettering there. But uh, for you uh, Chinese people out there that would prefer to speak your own language, be aware that you wouldn't walk in and be totally confused by the um, uh, thing because they have taken the time. I see. I believe that to be Chinese, right? Oh, that's yes, no doubt and about it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mandarin probably. If you're if you're hesitant to vote because of a language problem, don't be because uh, they've taken the time to uh, have that in a, a multi-language format. The next office is uh, Governor's Council, which is uh, to most people is an enigma. They don't know what that's all about, but it's in some instances uh, it's very influential. It it uh, it appoints judge confirms judges. Uh, That's right, and and it is very important. In commute um, sentences, I think, and and uh, I think the issue: if you want to be a, a minister to marry someone for one day, you got to get the they get the uh, approval rating for that. And also, um, there's another thing that they do, uh, other than um, it'll come to me as we talk. But that uh, at one time it had a very. Oh, is that the one I just got listed as counselor? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know that that was. Uh, that's strange that they've just got. They should have said governor's council. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I well, know. they say just council. That's again. That's a, that's going to be confusing. But yeah. uh, again, they commute sentences. They give you one day license to get married, and they confirm judges, and there's, um, and they build up. They can puff a pension. I think. Uh, I think there's nine of them. Yeah. They they represent a certain uh, predetermined district. Divide the state up into nine areas, but uh, I think eight of them are lawyers. Yeah, which is a which suggests that um, it must have separate from anything else. If you're a practicing attorney or on the governor's council, maybe that gives you an opportunity to increase your law practice and get and also get paid. Yeah. And uh, well, how much of a stipend do they get? About I think it's about thirty thousand dollars. They get thirty thousand yeah, dollars. Yes. No wonder they're on it, and they yeah. probably get health care too, don't they? They get pensions. That's why the lawyers are on there, people. <laughs> yeah. If you're <laughs> you get health care thrown in. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good that's a good gig. I think I'll run for governor's council. Yeah. 
Well, well you know, this Terrence Kennedy, he's he's the incumbent, right? Well, yeah. interesting enough, if I remember right, he lives in Linfield. Yeah. There's only one precinct in Linfield that was in that district, and it was the one he lived in. Yeah. But his family roots are in Everett. His father was a former state representative. Oh, okay. Also had a... Um, so he pretends he's from Everett? No, no, no. But be, <laughs> No, he doesn't have to pretend. His law practice is in Everett. And, oh, but, it is. But his oh. family has a lot of roots in, 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 in yeah. Everett. And uh, his yeah. father, when he left the uh, state legislature, ended up um, working for the MBTA. And, uh, oh. Yeah. So I'm sure they were like Billy Bulger... Uh, Getting people on the job uh, for the T when he was in the uh, elected office, uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy took care of fam- family, friends, and neighbors from Everett. But anyway, Terry is uh, is running for re-election, and um, again, it's a lo- low-profile office, and at the same time, it has a, a, a bit of uh, importance in the in the structure of government. But it might be um, something that if you. Re- Reorganized government, you might eliminate the, the governor's council. But right now, it's still there, and it's going to continue to be there. Mm. Uh, the next position is st- state senator. Kind of interesting in that particular situation. Uh, Jason Lewis, whom I think is very visible and very available in terms yes. of the state senate, yeah. um, had an opponent in the primary. Right. And uh, he won. He won the election. It was like ninety-seven hundred votes to seventy-seven hundred votes. But in Malden, he only won in Malden by about twenty-five votes. Really? And she she's from Melrose. She carried Melrose, and Jason uh, because he only has half of. Oh, this was that hammer. Yes. Yeah. 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 But in any event. he won by 2,000 votes, which on the surface would it suggest a decent margin. But in the practical matter, running as an incumbent, um, uh, we did a, he did well in Winchester, certainly. He did well in Stoneham, which was his district when he was a state rep. And he did well in Reading. But uh, in between time, her getting that, that much of, of a vote in Marlin was kind of surprising. Um, two things there. One is that... Um, Come the census in the in two thousand and twenty, yeah, where he only has half of the district uh, being in Winchester. I'm sure they're going to redistrict that, give give them all of Winchester. Oh. you know when they do the paper. The second thing is, um, driving through Melrose, I I hardly saw, and she's from Melrose, his opponent. Yeah, um, although she also has an Everett connection, I'm not quite sure what it is. Although Everett's not in the district, um, I I saw almost no signs for him at all in Melrose. For him? Him. Oh, but a lot for her? No. I, no I, I saw a few for her, but hardly any for him. Yeah. And he's, he's the one who's got the job. But Malden has a bigger impact in the district, and his, him being from Winchester and also having Representative Stone. Well, maybe maybe I, I think since the primary, I think Jason Lewis has spent more time in Malden. I think maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe he realized the... Uh, Needs to shore up his name recognition a little bit. Well, uh, he he got a lot of publicity before the primary because if you if you did the free paper, the Advocate, uh, uh, he he was having three and four pages of, of uh, announcements of bills he was supporting and issues he was involved yeah. in, and and this wasn't paid ads. These were, these were supposedly news items. Yeah. And uh, now granted, that's that's going to limit his circulation, but. Still, you have the job, and and you and he did defeat a, a, a Malden guy when he first ran two years ago, which was Chris Fallon. Yeah. So having progressed from that situation to be running against someone from Melrose, it was surprising he didn't do better, especially when. It, when well, it was, maybe there's uh, a lot of people that remember that race, and uh, they were uh, Chris Fallon supporters, and well, uh, you know. They weren't going to pull a Jason Lewis. The well, you may be giving Chris too much credit, but it, but maybe that is the reason. Well, I know Chris has some following in Malden. I, I, oh, know, he does. I, I mean, you yeah. know. But 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 Jason had the support of all the the city officials, you know, that were Democratic and, yeah. and, the, and the city Democratic committee. And, and as a side as a side to that, um, in that race two years ago, one of the issues that that uh, was a it, it was a problem for this Chris, who was a state representative, was in a, in a previous election he had supported Brown for senator against the Democrat, oh, and yeah, that was yeah. something that uh, had some effect on him. Although he still did well in Malden, mm. 
So maybe you, maybe behind the scenes, that's part of it. But anyway, be interested to see what the final vote on that is. Um, you go to the representatives and the. You, now, you, I see Paul Broder. Now he's only this obviously is what what ward is this for? He's five two. Five two. Okay, so th only, th this that, is where this came from. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the only. He's the only candidate. He's the only um, part of all he represents is the Forest Hill section, but he doesn't have an opponent. I don't believe. Does he? No, I don't see one. No, and neither does Paul Donato, nor does um, we have three representatives. Uh, uh, Steve, Paul Donato, of course, Steve is Altrino, Medford. Yeah. He is part of all of them, but Steve. Yeah, I was going to ask that. None of them have opponents. No, Steve Altrino, he doesn't. So they're he, all they're, running pretty much against the blanks. Huh? Right. And, and Maria Curatoni, she's running unopposed. And so, as, so as, is Clerk of Courts. Michael Sullivan is. District Attorney. And Marion Ryan, and she is as well. Yeah. So. There's not a lot of choices. I'm, uh, by the way, um, before we touch on those questions, uh, I'm, um, I'm in favor, as they do in other states, uh, that uh, we are a one-party one party state in this, yes, Massachusetts, as the, some other states down south are one-party Republican, um, and some other states across the country. When you get from east coast to west coast, uh, the, the coast uh, states are predominantly Democratic. Everything in between, other than maybe Illinois and a couple of other, uh, tend to be Republican. But some states, what they do is um, you run a slate, and the top two, if the top person doesn't get 50% in the primary, then the top two run. Yeah. Whether they're two Republicans, two Democrats, one of each, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's far more healthy and productive. And just to cite an example, there was a special election in Florida um, some months ago, and I think it was the, the district for that Price, who was the since he was in the cabinet with uh, Trump, was eased out of office for being a f right. wasting money or whatever. But in his district, um, there was maybe fifteen people running, yeah, half a dozen Republican, a whole bunch of Democrats, and. Uh, the person who got the most votes was, um, and, and this is in, in, unique and interesting because a, as a Congress person, you don't have to live in the district that you run from. What in Florida? In any place. Really? Really. Well, Most that, mostly what happened. Very sad. Huh? It's very sad. Well, uh, I, I, you should have to live in a district. Well, what they oftentimes what they'll end up doing is is they'll they'll get a straw address. Jack Kennedy did that. He got yeah. an apartment on Beacon Hill when he ran for Congress, yeah. and uh, he's, uh, anyway. But the, in this election in Florida, um, the, the top vote getter was a Democrat who wasn't really from that district, although he was living in the district. A lot of the money that he uh, raised came from outside the district. Yeah. It was somebody, um, some sort of a Hollywood connection, but I don't remember the detail. But anyway, he got over forty-eight percent of the vote. Yeah. And because it wasn't 50%, the next runner-up was a, was, a, was a Republican, who happens to be, who had been, a, I, think, I believe, a Secretary of State in the state of Florida. Yeah. And she got in the 20, low 20s in terms of the vote. Yeah. So they ran, off, ran against each other in November, and guess what? Uh, she won. Uh, and that's a good thing? What's well, a good thing because um, in Massachusetts, for instance, you have, especially in these county elections, like a Steve Murphy in Boston, he ran for vacancy two years ago. A whole bunch of uh, people ran with him. He got he got the most votes, but far from fifty percent. But there was no no Republican opponent, and so he ran unopposed in November. And that's not just that's not just him, but but it's a, I think a far healthier if people. Uh, had an opportunity to pick a choice when there was uh, Republicans weren't interested in running that you'd end up having two people running in November who hopefully will both be qualified but will give people the choice. I think it just as easily you could get two unqualified people. Well, we, 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 <laughs> no, I don't believe that. I don't. I'm, not, I'm, I'm more well, optimistic. Look at you got Trump. He's totally unqualified. Well, that's again not according to about thirty or thirty-five percent of the people. Well, they can leave. Well, <laughs> well, anyway. So now, that's my thought for the moment. Now we get to the questions. The first, oh. the first question on the ballot. You have three, three choices in um, the uh, the election for ballot questions. And the first one, 
which is which is very confusing to a lot of people, which is what re- about the staffing levels required in hospitals. Well, that's a tough question, but yeah. uh, uh, I'm with the nurses on this one. So, um, and, and I can almost I can see the arguments for both sides, but I know that the uh, uh, hospital administrations are heavily on the no side, and the 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 labor side, which is the actual nurse nurses, are on the yes side. Eighty-five percent of the nurses. And I. Uh, well, maybe it's because I'm a Democrat. I'm going to go with the labor side. So I'm going with yes on one. Well, uh, I have a sign in my yard put there by my daughter who is a nurse. Yeah. So I'm voting the yes. Yeah. My prediction, it's going to lose. Yeah, I could. I mean, it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Uh, maybe uh, not. Maybe not close, huh? Well. No, money talks. Money talks. That's great. That's the uh, gee. That's fun. I mean, you know, give me uh, give you an example. Um, uh, I know it was two years ago. They had a ballot question on for bottles, uh, bottles of water. Yeah. Make them make them deposits of bottles of water. Yeah. You know, people throw them on the streets. Throw yeah. them, well, they're all over the place. Yeah. And they the the, the purpose of it obviously was the the landfill has a huge amount of bottles. Yeah. So. When they did the polling months before the election, predominantly, overwhelmingly, people were in favor of the bottle bill. Yeah. yeah. The supermarkets and the other people, the beverage industry, pumped the money out, yeah. and it lost. And the reason yeah. it lost because they told the side of the story about, well, you know, you'd have to put up the money, and then you had to take the bottles and bring them back, and people said, I don't want to do that. So it ended up it lost badly, and yeah. that part of the reason was the amount of money being spent by the bottle industry was far greater than the people that were looking for the greening of America. Mm-hmm. And and this question one, uh, I don't know, so the number came up recently, I thought $16 million being spent by hospitals and groups that are favorably, uh, uh, administratively and, and uh, against it. So therefore, my, my sense is that uh, people get confused. First of all, the strategy of the no voters where they put out signs in the lawn Look like the signs of the yes votes. Yeah, the colors yeah. Of the that's pretty underhanded. I yeah. think it's pretty cheap. Yeah. That that's another reason I'm not I'm voting yes okay. because that was really a cheap trick. Okay, very well, cheap. It is. I mean, don't you think? Absolutely, and that's. But I mean, that's like Kennedy running two Kennedys in the election just to confuse people. Remember <laughs> that? Yeah. yeah. So in any event, um, so I think it's going to fail. The second question has to do with. Uh, it's a puff question, actually. A 15-person commission to study the a constitutional change. Um, Get the d- corporate money out of politics. Yeah, but and, even which is a good idea. But it's not going to go anywhere because uh, I think you mentioned it earlier. It requires a uh, constitutional um, amendment. Yeah, constitutional amendment, which we don't have the power of enforcing in, in a, on a state question. So. Well, you wouldn't think it about. Well, I'll get our sentiment. I mean, it'll you know it'll be a sentiment yardstick, I guess. But I, like, I don't think most people will even pay attention to what it's talking about. Yeah, and even if it passes, it doesn't it doesn't have a heck of a lot of meaning. The yeah. third one has to do with transgender people. Yeah. That's an emotional thing. Um, uh, certainly, for some people, um, they don't want to think through that kind of a complicated issue. Um, it could fail, but I think it's going to pass. And all that does is leaves everything the way it is. This, the purpose of this is yeah, to change well, I, it. Yeah, well, I think the LGBTQ uh, crowd in yeah. uh, uh, this state is strong enough to, to push that one uh, affirmative. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think three will have a problem. Yeah. I, Do I, you? Um, I, I think I think it's going to win. Meaning, no. it's 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 no. not going to it's not going to be implemented. They just the no vote is to leave it the way it is. Yeah. And I think very likely, but it's a confusing one. And sometimes people, when they're in voting, they don't have the time to read through it all and come up with a, a, a enough comprehension and decide what they're going to do. Well, I mean, you got to be a yes vote would keep in place the current law. Right. A no vote would repeal the current law. So that's what it boils down to on three. And um, I think uh, the the yes vote's going to take it. I do, too. Mm. And as they have pointed out, there's been no incidents of of the— Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we've had this in place for a while. And guess what? I I haven't read of any issues with it. 
uh, it seems to have gone uh, to kind of a non-issue, right? I mean, it, 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 we put it in place, and uh, there are no identified problems, really. So, Although I, I was in a restaurant in Malden recently, and there was the men's room was being utilized. There wasn't anybody using the ladies' room, and so the suggestion was, Ed, I'm sorry, go use the ladies' room, which I did, and I was more <laughs> impressed with the ladies' room than I was in the men's room. <laughs> it was a nice, had a nice mirror on the and wall. They, nobody <laughs> stared at you when you came out? No, no. But, but you know, that's the case. But everybody knew who was in there. But, I mean, there weren't many people left. But like I said, I wasn't, I haven't been in too many ladies' rooms in restaurants, but I maybe check out them to uh, what, see. What I can't understand about this, if it becomes, a, if it's a huge issue to somebody, right, uh, why don't they just, Put the, the two-sex bathroom up and uh, say, you know. I mean, because you go into a lot of restaurants that don't have a men's and women's, and they have a singular bathroom right. that's got men and women. Right. You know what the rules are, so yeah. you lock the door when you go in. And granted, it doesn't, doesn't have a powder puff room and all that, but it's pretty right. standard. You, or you do don't, your thing. Or, or you don't lock the door and you hope <laughs> someone comes in. <laughs> the only dilemma there is that. I the, don't see what the problem is here. But well, the problem. I, I think, oh, yeah, I, I, well, I don't the, know. The problem is there if you had a, if you had a, a, a situation where we're in a restaurant there was a couple of hundred seats there may be more than one person. Well, at if it's a larger bathroom, I, I would expect when I go into it that there's private stalls. Yeah. So it still isn't an issue. I mean, I don't really, you know, you, you still have privacy. Should I tell my best joke? <laughs> About no. the stalls? No, no, no stall jokes. No. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that are curious, next time you see me in Malden, ask me my joke about the men's room. Stalls. <laughs> Very funny joke, I think. Now, uh, now we'll go from the sublime to the ridiculous here. Just as a reminder for people, and I, and I mentioned this from some other shows, People rake the leaves and do all those, and now the leaves are falling now because I, I notice they're all over the street from the rain, but they're also in people's yards. But October, there's no more pickup of yard waste. Really? Well, because it's the end of October. What's that got to do with leaves falling? Well, they fall, but <laughs> you got the second and the fourth weeks in November to put out the either the barrels with the with the leaves. And whatever else is in your your yard, or the bags that you put out, oh. but don't don't put them up the the first, second, or third, or the eleventh or twelfth of November. It's the the week of the fifth and the week of the nineteenth. Okay, all right. And there's no pickup in December, so if you don't do it then, then you're gonna have to wait till next spring. Well, I mean, I I, uh, I still go directly down to the city yard, so well, you know, and yeah. that they'll accept any time. Yeah. So it, that's what you'd have to do if yeah. you don't make the, the leaf drop off. Yeah. Now, um, someone wrote a book some years ago, Quiet Millionaire. Okay. And um, there are a lot of people whose net worth is more than a million dollars. Okay. And they could they could easily be people who uh, live very modest lives. They're, they're not living in fancy neighborhoods. They don't... Uh, Drive fancy cars, but through through the dint of of, of being frugal and and, and uh, doing the kinds of things people hope that be able to accomplish the, and security for themselves and their family. You know, when you add it up today with the with the value of houses and people have retirement plans and they have IRAs and yeah. sometimes life insurance and on and on and on. It, it's you know even though it's not the majority of people, a lot of people have more than a million dollars of assets. Yeah. And if you don't properly plan and arrange them, you got you got a third partner to this whole process, and that's the government. Oh yeah. And it's not so much at the federal level; it takes almost twelve million dollars at the federal level to have any tax to pay for your state. Yeah. But in Massachusetts, if you have a million dollars, and that's just as a reminder, if you own a home in, in two names. Um, that's excluded. If you have checking accounts with two names, those that's excluded. If you have beneficiaries for life insurance, that's excluded. It's the situations where we, what more likely is to happen is maybe a spouse has passed on and the remaining person never updated their financial situation and the house is in the single name and the retirement 
has no beneficiary and that the life insurance is no beneficiary. And there are other things that are in their estate. It adds up to a million dollars. At a million, there's really there's no there's no estate tax in Massachusetts. Yeah. But if you, for instance, if if you got to a million one hundred thousand, that's only a hundred thousand over the hundred over the uh, million. Yeah. The, the tax is thirty eight thousand dollars. Wow. If you get to two million, the tax is a hundred thousand. Whoa. It's a progressive tax. Wow. And so I, I I bring that to your attention to stress the fact that you you shouldn't just sit and and say, well, I'll think about doing something tomorrow, or manana. Or, or next week, yeah. next month, or next year, you should kind of keep yourself current on those kinds of things, and that's more. You know, you're constantly seeing commercials on television regarding people who have uh, uh, gone to nursing homes, and all of a sudden their their properties subject to the yeah. the, the yeah. whims of the law, which means there's liens on the on the property, and therefore what they worked all their lives to accumulate a good part is is lost at the end because they they require a nursing home with no proper planning. Yeah. So anyway, you add up what you have. If it comes to more than a million, even with a spouse, do some plannings and save yourself from the tax tax guy around the corner waiting for you to count the days, waiting for you to die so he can come in and take your money from your kids. Yeah, well, anyway, you can't take it with you anyways, well, but, you know. You, well, you can see, try and send it ahead. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I um, I think there's in in Chicago you have about um, seven hundred murders a year. Hmm. I'm surprised you haven't brought up the 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 uh, Whitey Bulger murder. Well, I got it right here, <laughs> and I got four minutes. I mean, hey, you were always very fascinated with Whitey, well, and I'm sitting here. Uh, you know, why. just to, just to recap, the book, The Black Mass, that was made into the movie. One of the two authors of that book was a Dick Lear, who at the time was a Boston Globe reporter. When he wrote the book, I had him on my show here as a, for book signing. Oh. And, and, and eventually he left the Globe. They made a movie out of it. And I think the last I heard he was teaching at Boston University. Yeah. But when you think about it, they moved him from a prison in Florida to West Virginia. The, the newspapers indicated he was going to Oklahoma. But he goes to West Virginia. Yeah, the, the weird part is they said he needed... Uh Medical attention. Yeah. And this place that he ended up with wasn't a place known for medical attention. Well, and worse than that, it was only there one day. Yeah. And you say, gee, I thought they locked prisoners up. I mean, how does someone get in a cell? Well, well, they said in the paper today that uh, Whitey himself requested to be placed in general population. Yeah, but you Don't don't ask me why. Yeah, but you're still in the Well, you don't want to be in solitary. You talk to yourself. But that, well, in general population, though. But that must know. mean you have your own cell. Yeah, you, well, I mean, the cell door was open. Uh, why? Uh, well, I was reading in the club. They said uh, they opened the cells for uh, from 7 to 8 or something. I don't know. I guess. And where so are the, the guards? Prisoners, huh? Where are the guards? Well, yeah, you wonder why the guards aren't intermixed in all that. I mean, they didn't find him for a while. I well, mean, the, the other part was, but the, he was beaten to death. He was in a wheelchair. Oh, he was. I yeah, didn't know he that. was a wheelchair. And is, that what I'm, is that what I'm coming to? Shortly, Ed. Shortly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Although it won't affect you. Could be in a wheelchair here, and nobody'd know it here. I mean, you know. But <laughs> I think you can. Your show can go on. But uh, from what I read this morning, uh, it was terrible. I with, hope this isn't my life. Did, did you read the latest on that? No. They he seemed to be covered in a blanket. Yeah. Which so that they didn't know he was dead when they came in. Well, they did it. They, that's what, that's Until the other they question. they moved the blanket, yeah. and then they see that he, and basically they had poked his eyes out. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, geez. that's a snitch. Yeah, well, so it, the question is, the guy they've got in is a, is an ex mafia hitman from West Springfield. Right, right. Now he probably had uh, he did have a grudge against Bulger, and why they would mix. Why they wouldn't check the population for, you know, known... And he hated snitches. Yeah. I I can see the Bulger family suing and getting, you know... Well, I'll leave you one other thing with them. Years ago about the Bulger family was one time there was a, a man that uh, uh, owned a owned, um, winning ticket with the lottery. Yeah. And Whitey went into the house, put the gun on the table. Yeah. The guy had little kiddos. And he needed to get what they wanted to do was to buy the ticket from him, him yeah. and 
Fleming, yeah. the rifleman, yeah. and the, somebody else I think was involved, and just to show a stream of income. And literally, they intimidate the guy, you know, and, and it ended up, they got the ticket, and then when Whitey was caught at that time, um, it ended up that um, his family sued because they, 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 they mm. and his sisters uh, were the representatives in the, in the, the suing, yeah. arguing that the government, uh, the state didn't have the right to the ticket proceeds because yeah. it was being paid in installments. Yeah. Because uh, it was it was ex- exempt like fr- from debts debts and, and so yeah, forth, yeah. but but again I mean that's the, the brazenness of the family thinking they could still get the money from the ticket. The other question <laughs> is to leave. Before, I know you have yeah. to leave. Um, is that he supposedly ac- uh, accumulated millions of dollars? Yeah. Now, where is that money? They, they they found I think when he was caught in in the West Coast, he had, he had, he had, he had stashed away in the walls like eight hundred thousand yeah. dollars. He lived. He lived by paying everything in cash. There was no relation to, to, to dealing with checks or credit cards, mm-hmm. and um, I think they did find some money in Ireland or England, uh, probably Ireland, uh, in the safety deposit box. But just l- lots and lots of money that's never been accounted from what, from his deal. Well, there's two. Well, I would think. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think Billy Bulger knows knows more than yeah, it, yeah. than he's admitted, yeah. and his girlfriend there, who's currently serving time. Yeah, she must be due to he get out. He seemed to he seemed to get along fine with her, so I can't imagine he didn't divulge to her some of the yeah, locations. Yeah, but yeah. You know. by the way, that she owned a house in Quincy that was paid for for cash, yeah. and they allowed the family. There's part keep, of the money right there. Well, this is way back when before she ran away. Yeah, and uh, they allowed her to keep the house, so the family has the house, even though obviously the money source presumably was was uh, uh, Jimmy Bulger, you know. Well, look at Trump. He launders money. He's got Saudis. He sells apartments to Saudis, fifty million dollars, Russians, and God knows what. Right? And they let <laughs> yeah. him keep it. Yeah. So he, he's actively laundering money, yeah. and uh, we're looking the other way. Yeah. You know? uh, well. So I mean, it's that's laundering money. And we haven't even got to the Saudi Arabians. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, thank All you, right. Bill. All right. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a story, of background about uh, the Bulger family. So. Uh, <laughs> One of the things I thought was kind of interesting, one of the national television channels last night when they mentioned about the death of Whitey, they mentioned the brother being um, president of the, of the state senate here in Massachusetts, but they did mention that he was also the, the head of a state college program, which was uh, to me was a more impressive position than even being president of the senate. But anyway, that's just my take on it. The... Um, thought I did have as, as we continue on the program is that uh, I asked about Chicago. I think Chicago has about 700 murders a year, and um, it's considered a, a, a national disgrace to be that many murders. And, all, you know, I guess what's even more important than that is the fact that when you look at some of the stories that come out and on a weekend, how many people get shot, some get wounded, some get killed. Uh, the brazenness of some of those uh, shootings, but uh, uh, so oftentimes the um, the people are young, and that's that's even in itself uh, a, a great tragedy because uh, the, the respect for life is not there, and more important than that is uh, the life that's taken oftentimes is uh, also um, a young person. But in uh, in Latin America. Uh, violent deaths by firearms only is 400 a day. Now, that's that includes Mexico, Brazil, Venezuela, the Caribbean, El, El Salvador, Argentina, Honduras, and Guatemala. And um, that's, in some sense, maybe is reflective of these people that are walking across Countries from South America, from Guatemala, from Honduras, or wherever, they head towards the United States. It's not justified, but maybe that's part of the reason the fear of what, what they have in their own country. The second thing is obviously the lack of opportunity, and that's the reason why a lot of them really are gone. But if you, if that's 400 a day, and if you measure it by the population, the the, um, the highest level of uh, deaths by guns. In any country in South America, it's San Salvador. That's uh, uh, 40 per 100,000 of people. Now, 
to try to equate that, I think there's about 2.4 million people in the in the area of Chicago, and they have about 700 violent deaths a year by guns. If you took that San Salvador's level of deaths, violent deaths from guns, and transferred it to Chicago, the number of deaths, if the population is 2.4 million, wouldn't be 700, it would be 100,000. So that's how many people are dying in San Salvador as, as part of that, 40 per 100,000 of population. Venezuela, right now it's in turmoil because of the government. The death level at, in Venezuela is almost 35, which isn't far behind San Salvador. Brazil is almost 20, that's about half of San Salvador. Guatemala is 20. Honduras is 20. Argentina is only less than four per 100,000. Mexico is almost 11. That's that's only a quarter of what it is in San Salvador. And just again, compare the difference. um, 40 in Salvador per per 100,000. North Africa and the Middle East, one and a half. Africa, less than one and a half. Asia, less than one. The United States, less than four. Europe, a half of 1% based on 100,000. So uh, looking at those numbers, you can see why gangs, drugs, weak institutions, and lawlessness prove so deadly. And they cite cases where... uh, in these countries, when they find bodies, they literally just pick them up, put them in the ground. Or if they have a church service, it's all done quick. Uh, hardly any anybody is ever arrested. Very few are ever convicted. And some reason, and, and sometimes excuses, that the ch- court system is so clogged and so corrupt that you, if even if you're caught, you end up be intimidating people to get off, or you end up. Uh, buying your way out. So again, if if you think about the violence in Chicago, then you think about South America. There's there's a far worse. Uh, one of the things that had come up about the, uh, uh, the state police. I mean, there's one thing after another that's happened about the overtime scandal and on, and on and on. There's been some question whether. Um, these people that some have pleaded guilty, I don't even think if anybody's actually gone to a court case yet because it appears that uh, the ones that have indicted have either plead bargained down uh, in terms of time. It does seem that the ones that are being um, pleading guilty are doing some some uh, a modest amount but some jail time. Um, it possibly could endanger their pension some of them have retired early, anticipating that they were going to end up losing their job and um, eventually being charged with a felony and in the court process pleading guilty. And they're hoping that, number one, is that the money that they've already gotten won't be asked to be returned back. Or uh, more important than that is that maybe if they complete bargain it down to less than the requirement. Under the law in Massachusetts, now there's two things involved there. There's some changes that were recently made. Uh, in the legislature, but prior to this year, if you were a state employee, regardless of what position you held, whether it be elected official, appointed official, or a career employee, if you were convicted of a felony, and that felony involved your job, the performance of your work, whether that was soliciting a bribe, taking a bribe, uh, doing conflicts of interest or of a criminal nature, if it directly was impacted um, on your job and you were convicted of your felony, then you not only lost your pension, but you also lost your contribution that you had made anticipating a pension, which uh, my reaction was I didn't think that was very fair, not condoning what you might have done, but the reality is losing your pension is uh, something that's, a substantial punishment, and but not to even be getting the money that you contribute to anticipating getting a pension, it seemed to me was um, unfair to the person. Uh, example, uh, 
Tom Finneran, when he was uh, convicted uh, on a charge related to his position and it had to do with perjury, which was stupid. The whole thing was stupid. I've talked about that in the past for him uh, to be convicted, not to him for being convicted because he did commit perjury, but the, the, for him to lie at the time made no sense But to my mind. But uh, it ended up he had already started taking his pension. So when he went through the court process, was convicted, and then he lost his pension. He appealed, and the and the um, denial of his pension was upheld. So he he was denied future pensions benefits, but um, monies that he had previously collected while he was retired, where theoretically they could have sought to have that money taken back, they didn't do it. And that's the question that's been raised about the um, state troopers. Because some of them, when they retire, they only are owed a pension, but they also have uh, sick leave that they haven't used and vacation time they haven't used. So some of them, with walking out the door, they earn uh, a pension of $100,000 a year, and that's just based on their salary now, not any overtime, not any of those other things that, you, that are part of your, your W-2 earnings. The pension itself is only premised on what you earn as a salary as the, in a position. But in some instances, they've they've gotten multi tens, fifty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars, of unused vacation, unused sick leave, and other those kinds of things you get in the position. And so, in that effect, is that uh, should they be found guilty, as some of them have already been pleaded out, then they'd only ha- in theory they would not only have to forfeit their pension, but they would also have to pay back the money. But the pre- the precedent's been set in recent times that when you're convicted, you you be lose your pension, but that would be the end of it. Now, the law was changed recently, and, and so if you're convicted now of a felony which causes you to lose your pension, then you've lost the pension, but you're entitled to your contribution that you've, you've put into the retirement system. Now, I don't know how it's going to work if you start to draw down your pension and, and uh, they may deduct that amount from what your re- contribution is, in which case you're not going to get all the money back, just the amount uh, that you've gotten less, put in less what you've taken out in terms of your monthly benefit. But that'll there's a whole bunch of other, other people waiting in line because as of now, the numbers that, that they've settled the cases are less than 10 and there's upward of at least 40. And that's only the, they're really only looking at the last two or three years. And they're, they're certainly, if, if they were doing it the year before last or the year before that, that in all likelihood there have been the type of thing that's been going on for a long time. The result is there's abuse in the system. And that's one of my complaints about the governor. He's talked about transparency and uh opening up government so the people know what's going on, and yet and the things that he's made some appointments that, that um, have, have come back to haunt him, to bite him, as they say, and in some other instances, he's kind of waffled on, on what's going to go on or what should be done, let the, let the commission make the decision, let, let the DAs make the decision, and as governor, I don't think he's taken an upfront kind of uh, forceful position to um, use his pulpit as the governor to, to push forward and some of it may be that he's been he's been endorsed by the police and therefore he's doesn't want to alienate them but the, the position he has is one that represents the people of the state of Massachusetts so again that's um, the situation on that with the with that part of it I just also want to emphasize one quick thing too in, in terms of the city and that is the um, if you it, uh, if you park on the street and it's, it's a day that they're going to be uh, sweeping the street, you might get a ticket. So it, you, it behooves you to find out what day of the week. In my neighborhood, it's the, the Wednesday, the third or fourth Wednesday of the month, and we know that. And once you get a ticket, that will remind you and that educates you. But check where you uh, uh, what the sweepers come by, particularly with the, if you don't live in the property and remind your tenants. Um, I hope you'll find it information enough tonight to uh, be helpful to you next Tuesday and take the time to vote. If you don't make a choice, then the choice is somebody else. So vote next Tuesday. If you can't get there Tuesday, you can vote early next Monday. 
and you still have two more days this week. So again, I appreciate you for listening, and have a good weekend. Go Red Sox. And my buddy here, we'll all leave together.